Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hear this. Growth Farm Production. This is the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenti. And each week, we will go on a journey, a journey that will inspire you, motivate you, and help you be the very best you can be. Our focus will be on mindset, tactics, and the strategies that will enable you to create more opportunities and win more deals. Welcome to another episode of the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm pumped that you've joined us this week because this week's a very special episode. We have an incredible guest who is going to talk to us about how you can penetrate more inboxes and use email as a mechanism for your outreach. But before we jump into today's topic, I just want to say, if you're a first-time listener, thanks for coming along. We hope you take some value and you come back. And if you're a long-time listener, I just want to say thank you. I'm grateful for each and every one of you who comes and shows up every week because our, our mission is to help sales professionals be the best they can be. So just want to say thank you. Salespeople often hate their CRM. Why? Because they are hard to use, difficult to customize and expensive to maintain. This means leads and opportunities don't get updated. Things get missed and sales can suffer. Insightly is the modern CRM that teams love. Easy to use, flexible enough to support your unique needs and scales with you as you grow. This helps you sell smarter, grow faster and build lasting customer relationships. Insightly is trusted by more than a million users worldwide. For more information, visit insightly.com forward slash get insightly. Now, as I mentioned this week, we have the inbox evangelist, Maggie Bloom from Mailshake joining us. So welcome to our show. Luigi, thank you so, so much for being here. Your intro just made me like a hundred times more excited. Not that I wasn't excited before, but it is, <laughs> it's 7 p.m. I know we're on different parts of the world yeah. and I'm absolutely pumped to be here. So thanks for having me on. No, I'm pumped. You know why I'm excited? Because you've gone from an account executive. So you're in the sales hot seat out there doing deals to now an evangelizer. So I'd love to sort of know you a bit of your origin stories. How did you get in sales and then how did you shift from sales to being an evangelist? Yeah. So I, it's funny the reason I got in sales and like everyone's story to get in sales is I don't think anyone like was growing up and saying, I, I can't wait to be a salesperson <laughs> one day. But the way I got into it, I was actually an accountant before. Okay. And so I'm an accountant turned sales rep. And the reason why I wanted to get in sales is I knew I wanted to be in business, like in the business side of things. Yeah. But I was an accountant who was pretty shy. And I thought to myself, like, I don't want to be shy anymore. Like I'm like everyone in my family is outgoing. I'm the youngest of five. So I've always been kind of like more of a shy, reserved, like introverted person. And I thought like, you know what? I'm going to go in sales just so I can talk more or be better at yeah. talking or get like the gift of gab, like what people say, which I think is funny now because like, I don't think there's any way to like just change to be an extroverted person. Like I'm still very introverted. Am I better at conversation? Absolutely. But like my goal was literally thinking like, I'm going to like change this way about me. I'm going to become so extroverted. And sales actually taught me like how to be a better introvert almost in a way. I got so much better at listening. Yep. I got so much better at like recapping what people said, like all those different things that we know as a modern mm. seller are great habits. And it's like, wow, I didn't actually, like, of course I learned how to have better conversations, but it wasn't about talking more. It wasn't yeah. about being like this 
suave, like smooth person. It was really about, you know, the art of listening and, and understanding mm. other people. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting. I'm just going to go back a step because I've had the <laughs> pleasure. Um, I've trained, I've trained, I do train a lot of people in the professional services space that are not in sales. Actually, I've, I've worked with a large firm called Grant Thornton. Um, oh, all yeah. their partners mm-hmm. and directors, which I've done that for a couple of years. So it's been really interesting, but I, I want to go back on that because you're an accountant and did you get into sales? Like, did you want to get into, or did you start selling while you were an accountant? Was it to increase billable hours or did you actually make the decision to go from an accountant to a salesperson and change roles? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's a really good question because I didn't think about it that way. But no, I wasn't doing any of my own personal selling when I was an accountant, but I did work for, like my entire career, I've worked for startups or small businesses. And so the accountant I was working for at the time was also like the head of business development slash oh. CFO slash CEO, <laughs> you know, and his, it, he was mostly running the company, but it, it had originally been his dad's company. Okay. So I was working with him and I did get to see like a lot of how he did business. So like the way he interacted with clients, the way he drove new business, how they'd get new leads, but it wasn't like how I got into a selling position as a BDR when I first started in sales. It was nothing like that. It was based off of referrals so it really was just like, I want to be in sales. Like yeah. I, I just, you know, this is what I want to go do. It wasn't really the direct inspiration for my role in it as an accountant. Mm. And I love, I love how you described though, that your first motive was to become more of an extrovert, but what you realized is the true art of selling is that listening, being able to understand the other person and then recapping what you've learned about them because I, I think there's a bit of a myth here. Uh, and, and, and although, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that has you know, so much energy, you're absolutely right that um, even though sales is a transference of enthusiasm, that energy is what you need to bring to be able to continue to drive that momentum, especially because we're going, getting a lot of rejection, right, in sales. But mm-hmm. the actual consultative selling component is a critical part in the sales process and being able to slow down, being able to hear what the other person's saying and ask thoughtful questions is the differentiator. Yeah. And I think the distinction that you just made of, you know, like that transferring of energy and versus like, and also having a consultative approach, I think is why I'm I'm a better account executive than I was BDR, SDR. Mm. Okay. Because I think it comes into play. Of course, it comes into play when you're BDR, SDR. And the, the part that I really love about that role is like being an investigator. Yeah. Like I always like to think it's like playing a game of Clue. Yeah. Because you're like trying to figure out like, you know, how's this going to fit here? I have this list of people I'm going to reach out to. Like what's going to resonate with them? But I think that's what I think personally, I was a better account executive than I ever was BDR because I liked that consultative approach. There was a lot more listening mm. that I had to do a lot more piecing it together and a lot more back and forth instead of maybe like that initial, you know, transferring of energy of like getting, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So I feel like those skills specifically, I felt like more aligned with. Yeah. Okay. So you're in AE, you made that change. You wanted to be more of a extrovert and you learned, you know, the fact (laughs) that you'll be probably a better introvert for selling. Um, (laughs) What inspired the change to go from sale, selling to becoming an evangelizer? Yeah, that's a really good question too. Um, 
So when I was going to my journey of like, I want to be in sales, part of it started with like this mindset. I always thought marketing was pretty interesting. Yeah. And I didn't like, I never had a course before on SEO or I never knew, like, I felt like marketing was this really technical role nowadays because of obviously like everything that goes on, like ads, social media, things like that, which I didn't have a lot of experience with. So I thought, you know, sales is somewhat related. I want to get, you know, more extroverted. Let me go down the sales route first. And then I fell in love with sales. I was like, wow, I, I really like this. I really love being an account executive. And then I had this opportunity to come up at Mailshake where I could go into marketing. Mm. Um, And so now my role is really like a split between a salesperson and a marketing person. And I think evangelizer is like that title is different at every single Mm. company. When I first became one, I had a conversation with Jen Allen, who is the chief evangelist at the Challenger. Yeah. And um, her role. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Love Jen. Um, But her role was, was totally different. I think like that role really has to do with like, what's the business going through at the time and mm. where, you know, where do they really need an evangelist and what, where it came for Mailshake is we were trying to sell a market. So when I first started working at Mailshake about three and a half years ago, I sold to solopreneurs. Yeah. Um, and now we sell to more small, medium sized businesses. And to do that, we just wanted to get their, our names out there a bit more. So a lot of the brand awareness work that I do as an evangelist is like going on podcast episodes, creating content on LinkedIn, mm. doing LinkedIn trainings internally. So it feels like the baby step of becoming a marketer yeah. and where I really like this aspect of marketing too. Yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because then, and this is where I want to just touch on before we jump into the topic. Cause I think now listen is uh, chomping at the bits to hear the do's and don'ts and how they can write more effective emails and get into people's inboxes. But I think you're touching on something really important, right? Because the 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 if you look at the funnel, the top of top of funnel, that creating awareness from a is is historically been a marketer's job, but mm-hmm. now we're seeing that kind of crossover where great salespeople, SDRs, BDRs, AEs, whichever title, are doing their own level of evangelizing, right? They're actually out there creating awareness, um, making it easier for them to prospect. Um, do you mind sharing as an account executive, what were some of those activities that you, that you were doing, that you're doing now as an evangelizer that was creating awareness for you during the sales process? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I think that's where like this evangelist title can kind of be like that bridge for sales and marketing. And like you said, some of the best sales reps right now out there are already have like this marketing approach to Mm. any way that they approach sales, which I think is super important. Like it's an amazing thing to be a split of both. And I think uh, Jed Marley on our team does a really, really good job of this. He's totally the head of outbound sales. Nothing in his title says marketing, but he has his own newsletter. He does a (laughs) podcast with me. He posts on LinkedIn, like he's doing the work of a marketer day in and day out, just because it's something that he knows is important for that process. So for me as an account executive, it just helps me have a lot more credibility and also just gave me like at the time thinking about it, it just gave me like more people through my pipeline Mm. that I probably wouldn't have had before. And that pipeline was coming to me, like not male shake, if that makes sense. So I was excited about it. I'm like, sweet. Like they're going to book with me. They're not going to book with anyone else on my team. (laughs) Not that I'm in competition with them, but like, 
you know, we're in sales to make money at the end of the day. So I want those leads coming to me. Yeah. <laughs> now that's great. I, I think that's a, that's a good learning and probably, uh, probably another episode they'll have to jump into, right. About becoming a marketer to improve your sales process. Mm-hmm. But, but look, I really appreciate you sharing your backstory and what's led you to today. So now I want to jump in. Cause again, I'm, I'm, I'm a very tactical, I'm a, I'm a geek, you know, when it comes to, <laughs> to this whole, what you should do, structuring emails, et cetera. So talk to us. What is, let's, Go to the very start of this process. If I want to use email as part of my outreach act process, um, what's the most important part that will allow me to get my emails into somebody's inbox? Let's let's focus on that first before we talk about the messaging framework and, and what we need to be doing. Yeah, so the most important part is – deliverability. And if people follow me, they're going to see that I hammer this home all day (laughs) because it really is. If if we just take a look and think about it, it's like, we all need to have like some type of technical tools for the channels Mm. that we're reaching out to. Like, obviously we need to have a phone to make a phone call. We need to have an email address to send an email. But on top of that, of not just having an email address, you need to have the right credibility and capability to do that. So where I see this go wrong and how I like to to share it with people is like, you can have like the best messaging. You could have just done the, the best targeting, like use AI, have certain tools that are helping you copyright, having certain data tools helping you there. But if for some reason your domain is blacklisted, all those mm. emails are just going to go into a spam folder and no yeah. one's reading them. So it's like, you're like working like, I don't know. It's like you're treading upstream or whatever that that saying is, but like, you're putting in all this effort to get nothing in return because of this one simple fix you need to make. And it's not that technical. And most people have like one IT person on their team that can help them. And a lot of things sellers can do on their own, but it's really important to have um, before anything else in that process. Yeah. And so what are some of the steps? So if we talk about deliverability, what are probably the two or three musts to ensure deliverability. Yeah. So if I was a salesperson right now, let's say like an account executive or sales manager, and I took a look at the sequencing tool or whatever we do to track email open rates. And I saw the email open rates were under 20%. That's where I'd start thinking like, okay, well, first off, only 20% of my emails are getting open, Mm. but that's like the range of where you most likely hit spam or you didn't hit the inbox. So maybe you went into promotions folder. Maybe you went into subscription folder. The first thing I would do is go to a tool called mxtoolbox.com. Maybe we can link it in the show notes. I can send it to you after Luigi. Okay. But I would take a look at your domain that you're sending from. And if there's anything on there, they're going to give you a red flag. Like, you know, if you've been on a blacklist or Mm. if your DMARC record isn't set up, that's the first thing I would do. So make sure you're not on a blacklist. Make sure that your DNS records are set up. Um, and I have a guide. I can also send a link to. It's free after this. Awesome. Those are going to be the first two things. If you're, you know, tech savvy, you could probably set that up in your own domain. Otherwise, forward that over to an IT person on your team. If you're an AE or an individual contributor, it's just going to make mm. you look better in your role. Like you care about things other than just like closing deals or anything like this. This is going to help your whole team. Yeah. But that's the first thing that you can do. The second thing is go ahead and remove links, images from emails, make sure it's plain text. And so the whole idea behind that is when you're writing a sales email, people get really excited with these automation tools, with data tools. Yeah. 
And they throw out all these practices of like, we're just sending a one-off email. Yeah. Like you need to think about cold email, about sending a one-off email. If I was just going to sit down, write an email to you, Luigi, I want to make sure that that email looks as much like a one-off email as possible mm. and that a human is sending it. And I'm probably not sending you an image. I'm not probably sending you three links in it. Mm. I'm just sending you a plain text email. So I'd say that those are the two biggest things where I see people land in spam is they don't check their domain and make sure it's healthy to begin with. So go do that on MX Toolbox. And then the second thing is their emails aren't plain text. Um, and that gets them into the spam folder because having links or images sent to someone that you've never sent an email to before is what spammers do. Yeah. Spammers take an email address that they've never emailed out to before and they put an image in there for like a free weight loss pill or a link to a site you definitely shouldn't click on. Yeah. So it's like you just have to think about those certain things yeah. and be a bit more human about it. So okay. those are the two things I'd say that, you know, really could change it up for you. Great. So and we're going to get a guide. We're going to put that in show notes, but we've got MX tool. <laughs> Um, you've got the DNS records and make the email look like it's send, you're sending it to one person versus a thousand people, right? Yeah. 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 And don't send it to a thousand people <laughs> either. <laughs> like let's, yeah, let's try to segment a little bit better, yeah. which is something I could harp on all day long too. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm with you on this. Right. And so, okay. So, that, so the first thing is we, in, in order to get more from our, uh, our email is we've got to think about deliverability. What's the next thing? the next musts, like we must do when it comes to using email as part of our outreach process? Comes with the right people after that. Okay. Um, I think some of this, the best sales reps I've seen spend, like they use these tools that they have to their advantage mm -hmm. and they're not just lazy about it. They're not like, okay, I'm going to look up sales managers of tech startups with series A funding, like they get really mm. granular. Um, and I was just talking with this, um, great, she just became an account executive, um, who was 400% a quota, never even made one cold call. She says that she spends like a ruthless amount of time with her list yeah. and segments as much as possible. So when she first started at her company, they were like, oh, we're reaching out to marketers. And she was like, what? Marketers? <laughs> that, they, that could literally mean yeah. anything. So she got really detailed. I, I can't remember like the top of my head, but it was like marketers that use this certain tool yeah. or have these certain ads on their website, things like that. So it really starts with getting really, really granular with a list of people that you're going to reach out to and making sure that you segment that. So like, for example, Mailshake can you know, help different teams, but we're going to help those teams for a different reason and where they're at. Like, are you using a tool or have you never used a sales engagement yeah. tool before? That messaging is going to be totally different. So the first, yeah, like the second step after deliverability is having the right people and making sure you're spending enough time analyzing those people too. I love it. So think about your ideal customer profile, think about the firmographics and the psychographics and probably the operational fit will will go a long way. And, and I love that. I love mm -hmm. what you're sharing, right? Because for me, I'm a, I'm a big believer um, in I don't want to create a list of 100. I'd rather have five lists of 20 people in each list yeah. because then it's very, very segmented. There could be some triggers in there. Um, they're behaving a certain way. So that way the messaging that I create will be really, really clear. So that that sort of leads me to the next step. So we've now 
looked at deliverability. We've thought about who are we starting to target? What's the next stage in setting up a successful email? Yeah. So exactly what you just talked about too is like that segmenting there. Yeah. And then you mentioned a great word is triggers. Yeah. Get, do some research on the triggers. Don't just go to your marketing team, even though I'm the person on the marketing team. <laughs> so I'm calling myself out. <laughs> But go talk to people who maybe use a competitor of yours. Talk to people who have had this problem before. Do a survey with people. I know a really, but basically focus on your triggers because mm -hmm. that's going to be, besides the subject line, that's going to be like one of the first things that people notice about mm -hmm. your email. And you want to make sure that that's super relevant. And that's where, you know, before I think we, we, um, press play and, and recorded this is we were talking about relevance and personalization. Mm. And that's where I think like relevance is going to outwin personalization yeah. just because if you get those triggers, right, that's something that someone's dealing with a problem that's like twisting the knife for them. And they're like, oh, yeah, Maggie hit me on the head with this. Like, now I do want to listen here. So Jed did a really cool thing when he started on our team. He did a poll, I think, or something on LinkedIn where he asked like, hey, who's using outreach right now that would like love to talk to me about, you know, your experience with outreach? And it wasn't to like hear any bashing about yeah. outreach, but like, you know, what are some things that you're experienced, maybe some issues that you're running into or what you really, really like about it. But he was just getting that data so that, you know, he knew what kind of triggers to reach out mm. to people about. Like it's, you have to kind of take that extra step as a salesperson and yeah. not just rely on your marketing team to say like, Hey, this is, you know, why MailShake is so great. It's like, that's, that's not really what's going to mm. make cold emails turn or get people to reply to them. It's going to be those triggers. Yeah. And then beyond that, so triggers, your value prop, and then having a really, really clear call to action. And what I mean by that is you basically don't want to make your leads think at all. You mm. want it to be a yes or no question. What I personally like is giving something away for free. And I know marketers talk about this all the time of like, give, 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 take, but it's really true. Like when I do cold email, I typically always offer something like maybe it's insight into cold email trends or yeah. insights into deliverability or a quick video on something that's going to matter to them. But I really think that's powerful. And just asking like, Hey, could make a video for you in under a minute. Do you want it? And they can say yes or no. I love that. I'm actually taking notes, by the way, because I think it's fantastic. <laughs> um, but I just, I, I, there's so many things I want to unpack here. So again, I want to go back mm -hmm. a step. That relevance will beat personalization. And and I I didn't get the exact words on, uh, because that's going to be a, a, a tile that we make after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do want to, I want to go to it because I think I'm getting a lot of, um, outreach messages, my clients and people that I coach show me what they're getting as well. And it's, it's interesting, you know, you get a, an email that says, oh, you know, Luigi, I noticed that you're the founder of Growth Forum. Um, and I'm like, that's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks I know. for telling me something I already know. <laughs> right. Um, or I've got another one yeah. that says, you know, uh, I see that you're the co-founder of Growth Forum and you're doing great things at Growth Forum. Oh, awesome. Thank you <laughs> for telling me that. Right. Um, there is no relevant. And then they're, they're using personalization or trying to personalize and then the mm -hmm. next lines, their pitch. So, mm -hmm. you know, talk to us when you talk about relevance, cause I got my opinion on it, but 
mm-hmm. break down the premise of relevance and what makes something relevant to someone. Yeah. And I think that's where you need to think about your leads or prospects in their shoes. Like mm. what kind of things are they going through? If they are using a competitor of yours, what's the pains that they might be going through? Mm. Or if they're not using a tool at all, like what have you helped other customers do? What was like, Mm. what were the things they were venting to you about when you were on a discovery call with them? Those are the things you need to bring up. And um, there's a sales trainer I had who I feel like I shout him out every single time I'm talking with someone. His name is Mark Akers. Um, He went out on his own. He used to work at a Lego. But what he told me, yeah, yeah. What he told me is like, what if your prospect was going to go home to their wife, like what are they complaining about at work that day? <laughs> that's good. And it's so true. Yeah. Because it's like, those are the things that's like really bothering them. Yeah. And you don't care if they know that you're, you know, you're the CEO of a company mm. or that you did a great job hiring two people or whatever. They care about that thing that's top of mind and that they're venting yeah. to someone else about. So I think that's where, that's where that relevance comes from. And it just, takes time. Maybe it's interviewing people. Maybe it's going on. I've even been on Quora forums before Mm. people go on Reddit sometimes to see people ask certain questions, but yeah, or listening back to discovery calls that maybe AEs have with, with your current customers. But this goes back to the finding the right people, not just Mm. doing your ICP, but then thinking about your personas and going, you know, what is, what are the KPIs that drive the persona? And what are the problems that they're experiencing their role that could impact them from achieving the KPIs? Because that's essentially what the message will be developed around. It's interesting. I was speaking to someone, um, Carl, he was on our our last podcast. Uh, He's VP of of sales for Agora Pulse. And I love what he Mm -hmm. shared. He said, you know, if, if, if you cannot write the job description, for the for the prospect Mm. you don't know enough about them right yeah and go go and find that out like if you can't do that add pop it on linkedin and if people like that (laughs) don't apply then it's you've got a gap in your knowledge about the person that you're trying to sell to love it yeah and i think it's crazy i know i know you do a lot of coaching mentoring luigi and it's like surprising on how many people i've talked to that do cold outreach, that try these different methods Mm. and they have no idea like their target market or who their target market should be or what type of problems they're Mm. facing. Like they just, and I almost think to myself, like, did you just totally skip that step (laughs) or something? Like I'm shocked. I don't know if you experienced the same thing with people you coach. There's some great things out there. Like, and this is the other thing I, I see sellers, use the tool before doing the fundamental. So they'll go, I'm going to use, um, let's talk about, because we love Jen Allen. I'm going to use Lavender. That's great. Yeah. Lavender is awesome. It'll show you how to Mm -hmm. structure it. It'll grade it. But if you don't know the buyer profile and you don't have a hypothesis around the problem statement and then you're not putting what's important to them. Now you can make the score 95, but – it might not hit the mark because you haven't actually addressed what's important to them, right? It's just like a sequencing tool. You can load up a sequencing tool. And I know I've worked with very large companies who are sending 500 emails a day using a sequencing tool and getting, you know, appointments, but very low. So they're just churning through a lot of data. 
right? And they haven't got the foundations in place. So I, I, absolutely, I see it all the time. And, and, and for me, this is where the tool doesn't deliver the results because anyone anyone can ac- access the tools. There's a, yeah. you know. No, I know. <laughs> Trust me, anyone can. <laughs> That's the scary part. Yeah. Sometimes even in my own sales process, I'll turn people away because I'm like, listen, I don't think you're ready to use Mailshake. <laughs> like well, you, you have like all, maybe some of these other things to figure mm. out because if you do sign up for Mailshake and it is a sales engagement tool and you try to sequence people and send them emails, you're not going to get results. Mm. And guess what? When you're not getting results, you're going to blame the tool. Correct. You're going to blame me and, you know, and cancel after a while and not be a successful customer. Yeah. But I think the, the whole premise for a sales engagement tool, a lot of people forget the term engagement, right? And engagement's <laughs> got to be, it's got to happen both ways. So mm-hmm. just because I'm sending a hundred emails a day and going, Hey, I'm ticking the box and I'm putting it on auto. If there's no yeah. engagement, like the tools, the tools completely irrelevant, right? Um, mm-hmm. And if I look at the best performers that I've ever coached, most of them, most of them are not using the tool at capacity. There, it's mm-hmm. enabling them to do some of the mundane tasks that they can automate, but they're not just turning the sequencing tool on. They're, con- you know, bef- as they're turning it on, they're customizing and contextualizing the template putting a relevant trigger um, and they're spending that time doing less but getting more outcomes from it. So um, and that's what I see quite often. There's a common characteristic here with high performers in the way that they're structuring there, especially from an out- outreach perspective. So, so hey, we've gone on a few things. So we've got the deliverability, we've got the right audience. Um, I just want to go back a step as well because you spoke about the CTA, the call to action. Mm-hmm what call to actions and I know you shared a, li- a nice one insight into cold emailing trends like can I share it should be a yes or no yeah. mm-hmm. close question open question what's the best way to structure a CTA close question okay so just looking for that yes or no um because it's you know and lavender came out with this data like it's people are spending like 10 to 11 seconds on an email. Mm. If you're making someone think too much and you're and and this is someone you don't know, a company you don't know, it's the first time you're getting an email from them and they're asking you a question of like, you know, what are your thoughts about that? Mm. It's like, oh, I have to think about this even more. Yeah. Like, so I'm just going to, you know, I'm busy. I looked at this for 10 seconds. So I'm just going to close it. Maybe I did find it interesting though. Like maybe that trigger was awesome. Mm. I thought about it, but it still was like, what are your thoughts on this? Or, you know, something a little bit more open-ended. I still just may not have the time to get mm. back to you. So my thought process is like, all right, cool. That, that, that email from Luigi was cool, but his answer is requiring a little bit more work. Yeah. I'm going to save it for later. And then that later never really yeah. happens. <laughs> okay. So we're going to do a closed CTA and I actually love it. And can I provide you with some insight into cold email trends or something? So that's pretty cool. So actually, I, I, I love where you're going to that with that CTA. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, adding, you can, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Some people put interested, mm. they put, you know, is this, you know, does this resonate with you? But as long as it's leading to yes or no, like you really just want that person thinking like, okay, let me just find the easiest possible way to respond. 
But what I typically like to do is give them something. So like an email I really like using is we did this case study with a team who had consistently seen 70% open rates and they sent over 160,000 emails because they're an agency. So they work with tons of different companies doing outreach. It's not like just them alone, but they have a lot of experience and they've gotten a lot of good results. So their open rates were like 60 to 70%. Their meeting book rate was 10%, Wow! which got people, yeah, to turn, you know, and look at it. So I would kind of bait that in there, have a trigger, depending on who I was reaching out that bait that into it a little bit. And then say like, hey, do you want to check out this article? They give you the exact nine steps they did to do that. Has nothing to do with using Mailshake because Mm. we're just the sequencing part of it. They talked about deliverability, how they check this out, how they use a CTA, how they segment, things like that. So I'm really just giving someone something of value. I know that's like the most cliche term, but like, you know what I mean? I'm I'm giving something that that they're interested in because of the trigger that I originally reached out to. And what I love about this, Luigi, is like it's the beginning of this entire consultative experience all the way from the start of the first cold email. So you're already starting it out with like, here's some knowledge I'm giving you, Mm. but it's not like me shoving it in your face like Mailshake gives you 70% open rates. It's maybe taking even third-party data. Like we use a resource from HubSpot that I love using and HubSpot has a sequencing tool. They have a ton of different tools, but there's like this one list that they have of spam words and it's amazing. And I say like, Hey, do you want to check it out? But that's the start of me consulting with them. And it's not about pushing Mailshake down their throats. It's about like, Hey, these are things that, you know, could be affecting you if you're not using them. Let's talk about it. Um, And then it starts that whole relationship that way. No, I love that because you're leading with insight. Insight then creates value. It starts to get them think differently. Once they can start to think differently, they see you as, you know, somebody that could maybe create further value and then it'll make it easier because that relationship tension's dropped and they're more open to having a conversation. So I love, I love the way you've just structured that. Um, hey, we could absolutely keep talking on this subject um, because I think we haven't even scratched the surface. Um, so we might have to do a, we might have to do another show, but maybe get you in our community. But before we we sort of wrap up, where is the best place for our listeners to find and engage with you? Yeah, you can just follow me on LinkedIn, um, yeah. or not just do that. I do have a podcast. <laughs> I do. Uh, Jed and I do uh, the Practical Prospecting podcast. Yeah. It's mostly for individual contributors out there or anyone that's doing outreach. And um, we just did a guest episode. We'll be doing a couple others, but I think we just crossed over like recording our 30th episode. So I'm excited about that. Great. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but go check that out. um, And you'll also find those links on my LinkedIn profile. So easiest places, just look up Maggie Bloom. (laughs) Awesome. So we're going to make sure in the show notes for all of our listeners, we're going to have the, the podcast link, we're going to have, you're going to send, or we're going to, going to send, we're going to have the, uh, the guide, that guide that you shared earlier, and we'll have a mm-hmm. link for where you can connect with Maggie. So I just want to say, hey, thank you so much um, for being a, a, an evangelist on our show um, and sharing <laughs> why, you know, email is far from dead. There are, you know, just the way that we set it up, the way that we think about it maybe needs to change a little bit. Um, So I want to say thank you for the contribution you make to the sales community. Well, thank you. It was an honor and a pleasure being on here. Thank you so much, Luigi. (laughs) And thanks for being on here. Almost messed up your name, but thanks everyone for listening. (laughs) 